The StoryCast is supported by you every time you click on our Amazon banner and shop. So head over to StoryCastPodcast.com and click or bookmark our Amazon ad. And we get a kickback on every order you make every time. Simple as that. Thanks. All right, quick note. I just had a baby five days ago. Bringing a child into the world is an experience so significant, you reflect on who you are. Yet so humbling, you melt into an insignificant pebble of existence. So if you hear the lack of sleep in my voice, that's why. And if you catch an overly introspective tone, that's why too. You're not supposed to talk religion or politics. Those ideas that most define us as humans are the ones most worth discussing, investigating, and flushing out. Yet most of us avoid such topics during dinner party discourse like the plague, and rightfully so. No one likes a Jehovah's Witness at their doorstep, but there are a few moments in our lives where we can't help but stop to reflect over where we came from and how we end up in this human journey. Through birth, life, and death, fleeting moments cause us to grapple with the idea of how we ended up here and who or what put us here. This time on the StoryCast, the face of God. Throughout history and into modern times, there have been several thousand deities that have created movements, moved cultures, and cultured states of mind. A belief in God or the gods in itself rules out the existence of the other gods. So essentially, throughout the ages of humankind, your god was the true god, and everyone else's, of course, was not. Bestial gods across Asia and gods from the sky, prophets from the Middle East, and the Son of God, each exclusively omnipotent, if you only simply believe. God as machine and God is bovine and God is you and God is fiction. Time has seen heads roll and civilizations conquested, Kool-Aid drunken and funerals protested, all in the name of God. The one true God, of course. So does that God have a face? Is God a he or she or it? White or brown or black or invisible? Sitting on a cloud or dwelling across dimensions? Alien overlord or spiritual presence? Evolutionary force or mother nature? In your heart or in your mind? Burnt to toast? Or the innocence of a child? Or simply all a figment of demented or misinformed or whimsical fantasies scribbled on papyrus scrolls and cave walls and tenement halls? We can't prove God exists. We also can't prove God doesn't exist. Either way, God does have a face. And this is what it looks like. Colton Burpo, 11, went to heaven and saw Jesus. After a burst appendix nearly cost four-year-old Colton his life in 2003, his parents were thankful just to have him alive and well. But when he opened up about his brush with death a few months later, 
They were shocked when he described a very vivid trip to heaven and spoke of matters about which he had no apparent way of knowing. During a car trip, when Sonia Burpo asked him of memories of being in the hospital, little Colton replied, Yes, Mommy, I remember. That's where the angels sang to me. A sweet answer, to be sure. But then Colton made his parents' jaws drop when he told them about sitting in Jesus' lap, watching his parents while he lay seemingly near death, and meeting his great-grandfather. But most poignantly, Colton described meeting a sibling in heaven, even though he had no way of knowing that his mother had miscarried two years before he was born, since his parents had never told him. Father Todd Burpo began telling of his son's heaven-sent visions from the pulpit of the Crossroads Wesleyan Church in Imperial, Nevada, where he serves as pastor. Word of mouth spread and the family landed a book deal. The book, Heaven is for Real, written by Todd, has become a bestseller with some 1.5 million copies in print since its release in November. Appearing live on the Today Show, Colton, now 11, told Matt Lauer he understands that naysayers may believe Colton's story is a little too heavenly to be true. Initially, so did Todd and Sonia. We didn't share at first, and then once we started sharing, people were amazed, Sonia Burpo added. They were encouraged by what we were sharing with them. Colton was stricken with appendicitis shortly before his fourth birthday. Family guilt was heavy. For five days, he lay getting sicker and sicker with what the family believed was stomach flu, which had previously hit his older sister, Cassie. Little Colton nearly didn't make it. He lay in a hospital bed for 17 days. When he finally recovered, the family rejoiced, but they were floored when months later, the boy began matter-of-factly describing what he had experienced when he was between life and death, seeing Jesus dressed in royal purple, meeting John the Baptist, having angels sing to him to ease his anxiety. The Burbos believed these things were Colton could have gleaned from Bible studies, but he also told his mother he saw her talking on the phone in another room while he was having surgery, and saw his father praying in a small room, all while he was seated on Jesus' lap. What caught my attention was he could tell me where I was while he was in surgery, Todd said. Colton also spoke of meeting a long-departed relative in heaven, telling NBC News, I was just sitting by the Holy Spirit, and then this guy comes up to me and says, Are you Todd's son? I said yes. He says, Well, I'm his grandfather. Colton said everyone in heaven has great big wings. On Monday, he described his grandfather Pops as being very big, huge wings, curly hair, and a big smile. But the real shocker came when Colton told his mother, Mommy, I have two sisters. Sonia told her son that he had to be referring to his oldest sister, Cassie, and his cousin, Tracy, but he responded, No, I have two sisters. You had a baby die in your tummy, didn't you? Sonia told Lauer the family had never uttered a word about the miscarriage to Colton, and what's more, they never even learned of the sex of the miscarried child. It was a private hurt that we didn't even share with friends, Sonia said, adding Colton's revelation was at first shocking, but then a relief. Todd said, When he told us about his sister in heaven that we hadn't told him about, it was one of those holy cow moments. Okay, he can't make this stuff up. He can't invent this. No memory was planted. When Lauer asked Colton what heaven looked like, the 11-year-old replied, Well, there's a lot of color. There are a lot of people and a lot of angels. Colton also gave additional details, such as the fact that there are no old people in heaven. Quote, No one wears glasses, and you're in like your 20s, 30s. As for Colton, he's mostly happy his story is helping people. So, 
a little boy dies and sees the face of God and comes back to tell the story. From the Burpos to the Bible, a few juicy details and a whole lot of mysticism goes a long way towards telling a pretty intriguing story. And believe it or not, from King James to Colton Burpo, both accounts turned out a pretty sweet book deal. Sometimes the face of God is a little bit different. A member of the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster won the right to wear a colander in her license photo. Lindsay Miller is a Pastafarian, a believer in the satirical movement that promotes a lighthearted view of religion. The Massachusetts Registry of Motor Vehicles originally wouldn't allow Miller to wear the colander, but a lawyer from the American Humanist Association filed an appeal on her behalf. Miller said, they were kind of laughing at me. I thought of other religions and women and thought that this was not fair. Just because you haven't heard of this belief system, the RMV should not be denying me a license. Obviously, she won. And she's not the first to don a colander. Turns out she's not the last either. Pastafarianism is the world's fastest growing carbohydrate-based religion. Pastafarians worship the flying spaghetti monster, an omnipotent deity that the church does not necessarily believe to actually exist. Outsiders call the church's members satirists, enemies call them heretics, and landlubbers call them dirty pirates. But one thing's sure about Pastafarians, they sure love beer. To join the church of the flying spaghetti monster? Number one, just simply wish to join the church. That's it. According to the official website for the church of the flying spaghetti monster or FSM, that's all that's needed to become a Pastafarian, to want to be one. You don't need to participate in any ceremony, pay a fee, make a promise or a pledge, or give up another religion, or know anything about Pastafarianism. Just have a literal belief in the flying spaghetti monster. And number two, learn the basic beliefs of Pastafarianism. The supreme deity is known as the flying spaghetti monster. He is an invisible, omnipotent presence that takes the form of a giant clump of spaghetti with two meatballs and eyes, of course. He created the entire universe in four days and then rested for three. Also, pirates are considered holy beings. According to the religion, pirates help fight global warming and protect against natural disasters. Every Pastafarian should strive towards piratehood. Pastafarian heaven is a land full of beer volcanoes and stripper factories. Number three, study the sacred texts of Pastafarianism. For a great introduction to your new religion, try browsing the Pastafarian scriptures. The most important book to the Pastafarians is the Gospel of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. The Quill Award-nominated Gospel was published in 2006 following an open letter by author Bobby Henderson to the Kansas State Board of Education that satirically protested its ruling requiring the teaching of intelligent design in public schools. To follow the principles of Pastafarianism, you follow the eight, quote, I'd really rather you didn't. This set of rules, also known as the Eight Condiments, was given to the pirate Captain Mosey by the FSM himself and provides a basic code of behavior for all Pastafarians. There were originally ten rules, but Mosey dropped and broke two on his way down the mountain, which accounts for Pastafarians' relaxed moral standards. Those rules include things like 
I'd really rather you didn't use my existence as a means to oppress, subjugate, punish, eviscerate, and or, you know, be mean to others. And I'd really rather you didn't challenge the bigoted, misogynistic, hateful ideas of others on an empty stomach. And my personal favorite, I'd really rather you didn't go around telling people, I talk to you. To be a good Pastafarian at every available opportunity, talk like and or dress like a pirate. Celebrate the Pastafarian holidays. Like any religion, Pastafarianism has its own yearly holidays. Every Friday is a Sabbath for the Pastafarians. Ramadan is a month of sacrifice during which the Pastafarians eat only pasta and noodle dishes after sundown. And if you haven't guessed it yet, during Pastover, Pastafarians enjoy a feast of pasta, dress as pirates, and participate in a ritual of passing the eye patch. Also, Pastafarianism requires that you do not persecute anyone who doesn't believe in the FSM. While Pastafarians are encouraged to spread the good word of the FSM in their daily lives, they are not allowed to harass, bully, or otherwise bother people who don't accept the FSM. Not only is this against several of the I'd really rather you didn't, it's also just plain rude and not in line with the relaxed, pasta-eating, live-and-let-live philosophy of Pastafarianism. And finally, a good Pastafarian praise to the FSM. Devout Pastafarians may choose to pray on the Friday Sabbath every day or whenever they feel like it. There are no strict rules about when and where to pray. The one thing that matters if you do choose to pray to the flying spaghetti monster, end all of your prayers with the holy word, Ramen. Here's just one Pastafarian prayer. The prayer of knowledge. Grant the flying spaghetti monster thy sauce, and in sauce noodles, and in noodles meatballs, and in meatballs knowledge, and from knowledge knowledge of what is tasty, and from knowledge of what is tasty the love of spaghetti, and from spaghetti the love of the flying spaghetti monster. Ramen. So, from a white dude on a throne in the clouds, to spaghetti that glides through the sky, the idea of God obviously spans quite a range of ideology. Do you believe in God? Is your God the one true God? You must be right, right? And everyone else is wrong? Does your God have a face? For what it's worth for me, the face of God is in trying to understand our existence, where we came from, and where we're going, and identifying those things in our world we can control, so we can leave a better world for our children. That's what God would want after all, right? To take care of this place? Well, if you're from Finland, the face of God is another idea entirely. The face of God is a rock band. And if this is what God sounded like, I believe in God too. Here's Towards the Sun from Face of God. Hey, bye, bye. 
Don't you be afraid no more. We can fly away, fly away. And baby, don't you be afraid of me. We can fly away and forget that. The Storycast will be back in two weeks with more eclectic stories wrapped in an intriguing theme.